We're going to be reading in the ESV. We encourage you to find that uh, if you have your own Bible or way to read the Bible. Uh, we'll also be projecting it, but it, it's, it's always good to have the Bible to reference uh, when you listen to a message. Again, it's Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 31. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, today's message, uh, we are continuing in our sermon series, Thriving in the Pandemic, and uh, we're talking about uh, being in the gardener's care. We've been using uh, the the metaphor of growing things for how we can thrive in the pandemic, not to just merely get by, not just to merely squeak by, uh, not just to merely survive, but to thrive. Um, that was kind of our hope, sort of our mission statement. Last week, we, you know, we said that in faith, we believe that you can thrive in the pandemic. That uh, you, you don't have to uh, just suffer or, you know, just, you know, uh, have a second-rate spiritual life or whatever, uh, but you can truly grow. Uh, you can thrive. And so, Last week, we're using uh, the parable of the sower and the seed and talking about how the seed is good, but sometimes our environment isn't always good. It's not always uh, in the best place for us to grow. And, you know, by the way, I just want to say, it doesn't mean God hates you. It doesn't mean God condemns you in any way. Um, you know, God loves you, right? And that doesn't change. God loves everyone, right? But whether or not we can receive that is the question, right? Whether or not we can rest in that, whether or not we are thriving or growing, um, that, that isn't automatic. If it was automatic, then we would all be thriving, but it's not, unfortunately. And so we want to find ways that we can better learn how to grow um, and how to thrive in God's care. So today, in particular, we're going to be th- talking about uh, probably you know, something that a-, a lot of us are familiar with and a lot of us perhaps have been struggling with during this time. It is our good old friend's anxiety. And by, by saying good old friend, I mean terrible friend. Anxiety is a terrible friend. Uh, anxiety is there, though. Um, and anxiety is something that, uh, uh, it's just a basic human experience. We all go through it in some form or another. And so, you know, part of what I hope is that uh, we don't stigmatize anxiety or, you know, make us feel bad because we're anxious. You know, uh, it's just something that everyone goes through. 
Um, I was listening to a podcast from uh, Brene Brown on anxiety, and it, it's excellent. It was in April. Uh, don't remember the exact name of it, but some of the information I'm going to share today is from that podcast. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things she talks about, is she cites a study that was done in 2015 that says that uh, one-third of all people in the United States will suffer from a diagnosable anxiety disorder at one time or another in your life. One-third of all people, right? So anxiety is super common. Um, I've been very... Uh, forthcoming about this, but I suffered from an anxiety disorder uh, in early 2019. It's called panic disorder, um, getting panic attacks and all that. Um, and it wasn't fun. Uh, but it's one of these things that, that happens to us. And, um, you know, we don't always understand why. But what we want to talk about today is how do we navigate that? Um, what can we learn from the Word of God and spiritual practices to be able to um, thrive in an environment where there is a lot of anxiety? And that's one of the things that I want to share with you, that um, something I've learned um, that I think has been super helpful is anxiety is very, very contagious. You know, uh, it's just something that, like, when you're around people who are anxious— you tend to get anxious. You know, uh, I, I, I've talked about this before, but being in an environment, have, have you ever noticed this? Like maybe you're in a work environment where, um, I, you know, it can go both ways. It could be that it could be like real stressful situation, uh, stressful circumstances, but everyone is calm and no one's panicking. And so because no one else is panicking, you don't panic either. You know, you're just like, oh, okay, well, everyone else seems pretty chill, so I think I can be chill too. But maybe you've experienced, and this has probably been more common, you've experienced the opposite, where everyone's kind of freaking out, and so you kind of start to freak out a little bit. I've talked about this before, but, um, I mean, there, there are times when I'll, I'll go to University of Michigan campus, and I'll walk into a study room uh, during finals, and, you know, Yo, guys, I'm in my 40s, right? I've been out of school for a while. I haven't had the stress of, of having to study for a final for, for some time. But I'll walk into that room and I'll feel that anxiety. You know, I'll feel everyone just kind of like vibrating with it. You know, that kind of like, ah, ah, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, finals, it's coming tomorrow. I got to cram. I got to, and, and you just feel it in the air, right? And when everyone is vibrating with, with that anxiety, you start to vibrate it with it, with it too. But something that is very, very helpful to understand is that is a, a, a just a, Secular, right? Like, like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have any spiritual understanding to understand that anxiety can be contagious. But what's very interesting about that is that tends to talk about environment, right? That anxiety, it is not just about you, but it is the environment that you are in. And if, if you've heard me talk about the kingdom of God, um, there's a reason why God doesn't just say, hey, I'm king, I'm king, I'm king, right? And Jesus' central message isn't God is king, God is king, God is king. It's not. His central message is what? The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, Jesus isn't just coming to proclaim the kingship of God to individuals. He's coming to change atmosphere, environment, kingdom, right? 
And in these times, you know, it may just be, even, what, even if you are social, socially distancing, you're not around a lot of people, anytime you go to, uh, you know, social networks or, you know, uh, uh, you look at the news, you'll probably see people who are anxious or panicking, and it's so easy for that to affect us. But we want to understand, how do we come into and how do we receive the benefits of the kingdom of God? Because whether or not you believe in Christ, right? Like, like you can believe in Christ, and yet, you may not agree with me, but just bear with me. I think that, you know, I think this has been true of me, and this is why I'm sharing this, that, that I've believed in Christ, but not necessarily gotten all the benefits of living in his kingdom. Does that make sense? I hope that's not too controversial. If you have questions about that, let me know. Uh, but I, I know we place so much emphasis on just this momentary faith. You know, you believed in Jesus from a young age, that one time you went to a retreat, and then it makes everything better. I wish that were the case. Now, your salvation is dependent upon your faith. Right? We're not talking about salvation in terms of going to heaven after you die, but we're talking about living in the reality of the kingdom. And when you see Jesus talking about the reality of the kingdom, you will see that you can be a Christian, you can believe in Jesus and not be necessarily living in the reality of the kingdom. And it's not because God hates you. It's not because you did anything wrong, right? But it's because we haven't learned what that means. We haven't come into a full understanding, not the understanding of mind, right? This isn't just an intellectual thing, but the reality of living under the care of a king. So let's take a look. Um, I actually want to uh, rewind just a little bit uh, to verse 13. So uh, we started in verse 22, but we're going to go back because I want to show you the context by the way, the, the passage we read today is a very famous one, but this version of it is not the one that most people know. Uh, so as you know, that uh, there are many of Jesus' teachings that are repeated um, in different Gospels, right? You'll get a version in Matthew, you'll get a ver- version in Luke, and you'll find that the version that we get in Luke is a little bit different than the one in Matthew, right? And the context in which he shares it is a little bit different, Um in Matthew, it comes in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, right? But it seems to come in the midst of Jesus' uh, teaching. And there's these uh, two brothers who come before Jesus, and they, they, they ask him a question. And that's where Jesus shares this one. Now, by the way, just as an aside, in case you're curious, I mean, just imagine Jesus is going around and preaching in the countryside and preaching in different villages. We don't always hear every sermon that Jesus preaches. And it may just be that Jesus would have repeated some of the core messages, some of the core sermons that he preaches, right? So it's not weird to say that, you know, these are two different contexts because, you know, Jesus probably preached this message many times. And you'll find that the core of it is very, very similar to Matthew 6. I mean, so similar. But there are some differences, and we'll point out some of that. Um, but like I said, the context is two brothers come before Jesus, and uh, you know they're talking about an inheritance. And they say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And, and so Jesus says, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? Uh, so by the way, this might seem kind of weird because I thought we were going to talk about anxiety, Pastor Steve. And that's where we're going. Jesus, this, this is the introduction to Jesus' teaching 
about not being anxious, right? But you're like, wait, but the context here is it's a dispute, right? And so, you know, you could be talking about greed, which Jesus seems to be talking about here. These two brothers who are squabbling about money, right, and inheritance. Hey, give me my fair share. You didn't give me my fair share. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe like they're getting really technical. They're like, well, you know, you don't deserve this. Or, well, I'll give you a third of, your, uh, of, of what you're owed, but it's really that, um, you know, I'm going to give you a third of the money, but not the rest of the property. Like, well, well, hey, that's not fair. And whatever it is, they're squabbling about this inheritance. And Jesus doesn't answer the question. I just want to freeze here for a moment. If you were talking to Jesus and you were like, yo, somebody's cheating me out of money, what would you expect Jesus to say? You know, I mean, would you expect Jesus to be like, yeah, give him his money. That's not fair, right? You know, God is a God of justice, right? But Jesus doesn't ever resolve the dispute. I just want to be clear about that, right? In, in many ways, Jesus is saying, you know, okay, the, the actual problem that you have come to me with is not your real problem. I don't know. Maybe for me, I would have thought that Jesus would have been like, hey, treat your brother fairly, but let me give you a lesson on greed as well. But Jesus doesn't focus on the outcome at all. (laughs) I don't know whether you like that or not. But he says to the brother who's angry with his other brother, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, meaning everyone, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness the desire for stuff and things. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And and so if, if you thought that maybe we were just talking about a dispute between two brothers, Jesus is saying there is something at the core that you have to deal with that is more important than your dispute, right? And at the core is why this matters so much to you. Right? Why are we so caught up with our possessions? Why do we want the stuff that we want? And, and this parable that Jesus is going to share is going to really cut to the heart of that. And so I want us to pay attention to this because I think this is really important. Um, and we don't always read it in the context of the do not worry, do not be anxious passage. Uh, but here it is. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself... Uh, Sorry, let's go to the scripture there. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. So this guy, he's got a huge crop, right? He's got so much uh, food and stuff, and, and it's way more than he can possibly eat. So he's trying to figure out a way to store it. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? And by the way, we don't really hear from this man who had this huge crop we don't hear that like he was like cheating people or that he was like immoral, right? But all he does is something that every one of us does. All of us do this. All of us are living our lives in this way. 
Maybe this is why we don't really like reading this parable. Because we like the do not be anxious stuff. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Do not be anxious. But Jesus, man, he's, these are some uncomfortable truths because I think almost every American lives this way, right? Would you not do this? Would you not do this? If you made lots and lots of money, you would save it. We all do that. We have bank accounts, right? Okay, I'm not saying, telling you not to have a bank account. Don't get me wrong. But just look at the passage. Look at what Jesus is saying. And look at what the man does. He's trying to store up all his grain. And he's saying, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, it sounds like retirement. He's got an early retirement. He won the lottery. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take it easy. What is so wrong about that, friends? When when you see what Jesus says, what God says to the man in the parable, he says, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So this man is rich in the things of the world, but the question is, why? Like, notice what this guy is trying to do. He's trying to say, basically, I will have enough stuff that I can just rely on this stuff for the rest of my life, right? That's what he's hoping. And what happens in the parable is that night, that man dies. He has a heart attack. He has a brain aneurysm. We don't know. I don't know. The roof collapses on him, and it's gone just like that. What this man is trying to do is he is trying to create a situation in an environment by his own making, by his money, by his efforts, where he does not need to rely on God. Right? God is the one who provides. God is the one who rules and reigns. This man wants to make a situation where you don't need God. Right? And for many of us, I mean, we all live in an uncertain world, right? Where's our next meal going to come from? I mean, in this economy, in this this current climate, I, I think a lot of people are worried. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. But at the same time, the question is, what are you relying upon fundamentally? And what Jesus is saying is this man was a fool because what he is relying on fundamentally can be taken from you. It's not reliable. It's not as reliable as you think. Your stuff is not completely reliable. But this is the way we all live. By the way, it kind of reminds me of another story you hear in Scripture. You remember when uh, the, the people of Israel, they were freed from captivity in Egypt, and they're wandering the desert, and God provides for them every day in the desert, in a place where there isn't a lot, you know, of food, he provides them manna, bread from heaven, this like flaky stuff that tastes like, like sweet coriander. And, and he provides them this manna every day. But what we're told is that they get enough just for the day. And they're told only to gather enough for the day. But many of the people, they don't. They, they don't listen to God. God says, don't collect more than you need, right? Because I'm going to give you more tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Right? But a lot of people don't listen and they gather more than they need. Why? Because they don't completely trust God. 
right? They worry. They're like, well, hey, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. What if all of a sudden God stops giving us the manna and I'm going to be hungry? So you know what? I'm going to just make an insurance policy. We all do this, right? How do I know this? Because it's so hard to find toilet paper, right? It's so hard to find Clorox wipes, right? And, and can you imagine if the people of Israel, if all of them got more than they needed and they just hoarded the manna, then people wouldn't have enough to eat. That's what happens in our world. Why do people go hungry? We know that statistically there is enough food to go around. Did you know that? There's enough money. There's enough stuff in this world, and yet people go hungry every day. Why? Because we hoard. Right? You're like, well, if I don't hoard the toilet paper, someone else will. So I'm going to get five rolls instead of just the one that I need. Right? Because tomorrow's not promised. We all do it. I do it too. Right? I mean, I definitely... I'll be honest, you know, I, I got the most toilet paper I could get, you know, when I was at the grocery store. It was like, limit one. I'm like, okay, what's the biggest package I can get then, you know? We all do it, right? And, and this isn't meant to condemn you or to make you feel bad, but I want you to think about who then are you relying upon? And is that a firm foundation? Is that a foundation where you won't have to be anxious? Because this is the thing. If you're relying upon your own ability to get toilet paper or money or whatever in your life, then the foundation will always be shaky because I'm pretty shaky. (laughs) This world is pretty shaky. If you're relying upon temporary stuff, then your peace will only be temporary. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus' message is. And so he says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. But this is what we do. We focus on the stuff that we think we need instead of the one providing it. Right? There is somebody who is providing that stuff. There is a loving gardener, a caretaker of your life. And instead of focusing upon him, we focus on the stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh, where am I going to get this stuff? As if the stuff was just something that you had to get on your own, right? This is something I talk about a lot, this idea of secular atheism. Many of us, even Christians, just bear with me, but I, I, I think many Christians live as if there is no God. We say we believe in our minds, but we don't actually act like it. Our nervous system doesn't believe it. So when we see a shortage, we panic, just like everyone else. When we see a situation we don't like or seems uncertain, we panic, just like everyone else. And you know what that is about? That is about our mind trying to solve the problem, right? And in anxiety, most of us, we have different moves. We have different uh, ways of, of dealing with it. So going back to that picture with anxiety, it says, maybe you were wondering what this meant, underfunction or overfunction. In Brene Brown's podcast, she uh, quotes uh, Harriet Lerner or talks about um, what Harriet Lerner talks about in The Dance of Connection, which is that most of us, all of us, have pretty much two responses when it comes to anxiety. It's an either-or situation, right? Some of us in the, the, the presence of stress and anxiety, we underfunction or we overfunction. 
So overfunctioning, right? You can think about it as fight or flight, right? Do you fight or do you flee? And the the overfunctioning is the person who's like, okay, I need to control the situation, right? I need to micromanage things. I need to figure this out. I need to understand this. I need to plan. I need to hoard. I need to um, make sure that nothing can harm me. I need to make sure that that I insulate myself and and I just hustle and work really hard so that I have enough stuff, right? That's the 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 farmer in the first part. He's working hard. And, you know, thinking like, oh, I need to work hard so that I can have enough crops. Now, underfunctioning is like the second part of the farmer. The farmer has enough, and the farmer's like, you know what, I'm going to take it easy. I don't need to do anything. And underfunctioning in the, in the presence of stress, um, it's, it's people who procrastinate. People who, like, you know, when things get stressful, you want to take a nap. You know, you, you don't want to think about it. You want to distract. You just want to watch YouTube and eat a bowl of ice cream, right? You just want to check out. And you actually want other people to take care of it. You, you're just like, hey, you know, I, I just can't deal with this, right? Now, both of these, I think, can be a pretty shameful sort of um, uh, identities to take on. And, and to be honest, a lot of the problems we have with anxiety is thinking that there's something wrong with me in my response to anxiety. And you can hear a message like this, and you know it, it can be like a shaming message. Hey, don't be anxious. What's wrong with you? Why are you anxious? See, you don't believe in God. Brothers and sisters, th- that's why I tried to tell you from the very beginning. Your pastor has suffered from an anxiety disorder. Okay, there's no judgment here. We all suffer from anxiety one time or another. It's just a human condition, Right? And that's why Jesus probably has to preach this message many times. He knows people are anxious. You know, it's just, just part of life. I will say, by the way, that uh, even though I think both can be kind of shameful, like you can look at an overfunctioner and be like, hey, you're a perfectionist. You're a control freak. And people could be like, yo, you know, don't label me like that. Um, but I will say in general, I think that overfunctioning is kind of valued by our society. You're like, oh, that person's a hard worker. Look at that person hustle. You know, in underfunctioning, we tend to really not value that a lot, right? We're like, you're lazy. Man, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get yourself together? And, and even if, as a society, you don't hear people say that to you, you might be saying it to yourself. And I say this as a classic underfunctioner. That is my move in stress and anxiety. When I get stressed and anxious, I I just, I want to procrastinate. I want to avoid. I want to sleep. I want to check out. I want to play a video game. I I want to do something, you know, maybe somewhat destructive or just seek pleasure, right? That's me. And, and, And I know for a lot of people, that can be very, very shaming. And just the idea of being anxious, it almost feels like there's something wrong with you, right? It, it feels like, like, like you're a bad person. You failed some kind of moral test because you can't get your act together. And I'm here to tell you, there's no judgment here, right? But it is just, you know, by identifying these things, hopefully you can just see that they're normative, right? It's, it's not that some people are good and some people are bad. Overfunctioners are just finding a different way to deal with that stress by trying to control everything. And that, by the way, isn't going to solve it either. Why? Because 
you ain't perfect. You aren't God. Even if you could control your circumstances, which you can't, you can't control everyone else's circumstances. You can't control COVID, right? That, that another move that we have is we blame. We're like, hey, this is someone else's fault. This is China's fault. How is that China's fault, right? How is it China's fault that some random you know, disease came from their country? And, and I know people, they can't accept that. So we come up with these conspiracy theories. Oh, they designed it in a lab. Friends, wherever it came from, you can't control it. None of us can. And we want to. And when we can't control it, some of us, we, we fall into despair. And, and you know, some of us, we're the underfunctioners, and we, we're just, we just want to mentally check out. But Jesus' word is to the underfunctioners and the overfunctioners. Jesus' word about saying that, hey, you know, do not be anxious about your life because your life is more than the stuff that you are focusing on. Your life comes from God. And so we are told to consider two things. And, and, and I think that probably in a lot of the context where Jesus was preaching, he was outside. And so when he's saying consider the ravens and consider the lilies or consider the flowers, right? that I think you actually could. You actually could look at these things and consider them, right? Consider the ravens. They neither sow sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So he talks about how the birds are cared for, right? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, you, you, you're worrying, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't make you safer. It doesn't make your life more prosperous. This is what our minds automatically do, but the automatic move is leading just to more anxiety. That's what being anxious does. Your mind is trying to figure out a problem that it can't solve, right? It's trying to figure out a problem as if there were a lion charging at you or there were an attacker or there was some kind of imminent threat you, that you can remove. But the problem is a lot of these threats are not imminent and, and you can't see them. And so your mind is trying to fight something that it can never get rid of. And so it will just keep on fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And, fighting. and you can't sleep. <laughs> You're just worried all the time. You got a stomach ache. Right? I mean, just, just, you, you just are in this environment of anxiety that starts to spread to other people. Anxiety for me, the way I experience it, it it's, it's like, it's like a, a, a mental and emotional state that I'm in. When I'm in anxiety, it's not, I'm just anxious about that one thing. I get in anxiety. You feel me? It's like going in a pool, right? It's not like one little droplet is making you wet. Just everything is making you wet now. Everything starts to make you anxious. So this is what you find, is that people who are really anxious, like really, really anxious, they get anxious about everything, right? And I really do mean everything, because it's like being in a pool. Now everything's getting you wet. Now everything's making you anxious. And the way I experience it, it's like this, this, this buzzing, you know, I, I feel this like buzzing in my brain, in my head, you know, and, and I've become very, very familiar with this. So, so I, I can know when I'm in anxiety. But for some of us, friends, I think that we experience anxiety so much that we don't even know that that's not normal. That's not the way 
It's normal as in it can affect everyone, but that is not where you necessarily need to be. You don't always have to be in anxiety. It's not inevitable. And there is an alternative. Instead of a kingdom, an atmosphere, uh, this pool of anxiety that you're in, you can be in the kingdom of God. You can. I've experienced it. Not always, but enough to know that it's real and you can have it. Do you want it? Do you want to experience the kingdom of God over everything? Right? You live in that anxiety and you're like, Pastor Steve, what's the big deal? Everyone gets anxious. And I think the big deal is because it is so contagious and because it is an atmosphere, it affects everything, right? So again, you could be anxious about your job and then very easily you start becoming anxious about your family and you start becoming anxious about your faith and you start become, becoming anxious about your finances and you start becoming anxious about your environment. You start becoming anxious about politics. You start, right? It's it just everything, everything. It infects everything. That's why you can't sleep. Why you, because you can't turn it off, right? And that is not what I think Jesus means by life abundantly. I have come to give you life and life to the full. That doesn't sound like life to the full. That sounds like life just scraping by. It's the bare bottom of life. And that is not what God wants for you. So he says just... Think about the ravens. Think about the lilies. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? We have an immortal soul that will live on with God forever. You are not like a temporary flower that will wither and never be here. So if this temporary flower is so cared for by God, will you not in your immortal soul be cared for by this God? God cares for you. He loves you. He will take care of you. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, right? When you are in the kingdom of anxiety, it is about focused on the things you don't have, on the things that you think will bring you security. That is, in a way, your God. Right Now, understand me when I say this. God as in, this is the thing that you are relying upon to bring you peace of mind. If I can get my finances in order, then I'll have peace of mind. If we can get rid of COVID-19, then I'll have peace of mind. If I, I can get into a better place relationally, if I can get a husband or a wife, or if my kids will listen to me, whatever it is, we think that will give us peace of mind. We are making those things, in essence, doing the job that only God can do, right? And the reason why you are in anxiety is because it never can. And so you are always on shaky ground. You're always worried and fearful and like, ah, ah, why why won't this thing make me feel better? Because it can't. It can't. So again, friends, being in the kingdom of anxiety, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. 
It doesn't mean you're a weak person. It just means you're a person. That's what we all do. And, and it is our default position. But this is the kind of, the very unfortunate and cruel thing is that our default position is one that just leads to more anxiety. It doesn't lead to a thriving life. If it did, by all means, do it. Seriously, by all means, do it. But if you're anything like me and just basically all the other 7 billion people on this earth, and I think you are, it's not going to work. Those things will never give you full security, right? And so instead, we are told to seek the only thing that will give you security is having the source of all those things, of everything, of this whole world, right? Knowing that you are under the care of God, knowing in your very being. And so here we see uh, the lesson of the, the ravens and the lilies. By the way, you look at the lilies, and, and, and did you see how Jesus talked about how the lilies are just so beautifully adorned that not even Solomon uh, in all his splendor was adorned like such as these. I, I just found a sample of different lilies. And lilies come in all kinds of forms and flowers. Aren't those beautiful? Those are just stunning, right? And so I think Jesus picked that on purpose to say, look at the lilies. Look at how God designed these and made these and clothed these beautiful lilies in such just, just I mean, it's just just breathtaking how beautiful lilies can be, Right? And God is taking care of them. But there's a difference between ravens and lilies. And, and you know, if, if you would just kind of humor me, I, I don't know if I'm right in this, but I think you can kind of uh, uh, attach these two different types, right? A raven or a lily to an underfunctioner or an overfunctioner, right? So let's just take the ravens, for example. Now, underfunctioners in the uh, anxiety we tend to just do nothing, right? Now, if you look back and you see what Jesus says about the ravens, he says, ravens, their problem is not that they don't do anything, right? The ravens do stuff, right? Ravens go out and they get food, right? They do get food. But we're told, consider the, the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. So raven is like an Israelite wandering the wilderness, and you're like, oh, manna, cool. Thank you, God. And that day you get your manna, right? A raven still has to work. A raven still has to get, work, get food. But a raven is not sowing or reaping. It's not like, like planting fields so that it can have lots and lots of food for the future, where, where it doesn't have to rely upon the provision of God, right? It's not creating a storehouse or a barn to, to store all this stuff up so that it doesn't have to rely upon God, right? It's not creating this extra insurance policy. The raven just goes and it, it's just a raven. It flies around. If, if there's food, it's like, sweet food, you know? And if there's other raven friends, he's like, yo, guys, Look, there's some food here. Let's go eat this food. It's not like, dude, but what if tomorrow there's no more seed? I better just eat this, this, this seed or I'm, I'm going to go hide it. Right? Raven doesn't do that, right? But this is the thing. A raven still has to do something. And for those of us who are under-functioning, it doesn't mean do nothing. It means that when you do the things that you do to know that you are being provided for, 
And so if you know that, and by the, by the way, uh, you see this in Matthew 6.34. This is the, the, the parallel uh, uh, passage to uh, the do not be anxious passage in Luke 12, right? It's the same passage, but there's a little different conclusion in Matthew 6. And the conclusion is this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. The reason why you can't do anything is because you're worried about tomorrow. Right? If you're not worried about tomorrow, you can live for today. And that's what it says. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Right? Today's got enough issues of its own. So just focus on today. Right? And for the raven, all you got to do is focus on the seed you need to get this day. What's paralyzing for people like me, underfunctioners, is that we're just thinking like, oh my gosh, I have so many problems. Right? I don't know how I'm going to solve all the problems. And if you think that way, it's going to be paralyzing. You're not going to want to do anything because how do you fix all your problems? Instead, what you're supposed to do, or I, I think, you know, being like a raven, is you know that you're cared for, tomorrow is taken care of. You just have to worry about today. Just do something. Do the one thing that God has asked you to do, right? If you have homework to do, just do the homework, right? But do that in the care of God. Go to work, right? Study. Do those things, but do that in the care of God. Learning how to give up control over all those other things. Don't even go there, right? That's not for you. That is for God to take care of. Now, if you are an over-functioner, maybe you need to learn the lesson of the lily, right? We're told that lilies neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So lilies literally do nothing. You know what lilies do? They plant themselves in soil, and they just get water and sun, and they grow all on their own. And, and the lesson of the lily is that God is the one who's growing them. God is the one in control, not the lily. If the lily tries to take credit for that, it's silly. It's like, dude, I'm the best lily, right? Look at me. Look at how well I grow. It's like, dude, you didn't do anything, right? And, and for, for those of us who tend to get in over-functioning, or we tend to, to just rely a lot on our hustling. We take so much pride in that. We're like, man, look at me. Man, I'm killing this. The rest of y'all, those of you who are just paralyzed and, 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 and you're procrastinating and you're, you're taking naps and you're lazy, but I'm hardworking. And we take so much pride in that. And it's so hard to convince somebody who is over-functioning that actually, in a way, it's harmful. It's harmful because in a lot of ways, I mean, you're going to overwork yourself. You're going to get into a place where you start to burn out, right? Because being God is exhausting. And that's what an overfunctioner is trying to do. You're trying to be God. You're trying to do God's work. And what the lily understands is that the only way this lily really thrives and grows is by being planted in the soil and trusting in the gardener to grow it. And what an overfunctioner, I think, would really benefit from is every once in a while, not even once in a while, I would say daily, take moments to pause and do nothing. I mean this. Sometimes people take what I'm saying and they twist it, and they're like, Pastor Steve, you're saying do nothing, do nothing. I'm saying 
okay, ravens, got to do something, right? You got to do something, right? You got to go get your food. That's important, right? Paul even says, if someone will not work, they will not eat, right? You got to work. You got to, so I'm not saying don't work. But there is the other side to that, where you work because you think you're the only one that can be depended upon. You are becoming your own God. You're trying to control circumstances that you cannot control. And by being still for a moment, which, by the way, is going to feel really bad for our overfunctioners. Stopping is going to feel really bad at first. And then later, it's going to feel wonderful. (laughs) If you can understand this, even though you stop working, God never stops caring for you. That's the lesson of the lily. You can stop working, and it can be okay. It can be profoundly okay. And you can rest in the knowledge that God is working. And taking moments to literally do nothing in the Lord. How do you do that? There's a lot of ways. There's contemplative practices. There's forms of prayer where you're just still in the presence of God, and you might repeat a word or phrase like Jesus over and over again, when those thoughts creep in, you just say the word Jesus. You're just still. There's forms of contemplation where you can go out into nature and you can just look at a flower or a tree and just appreciate that flower or tree. Just thank God for that. Just walk around slowly. Just soak it all in. For me, as an underfunctioner, when there were times where I, I would just feel so bad about myself, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything, what's wrong with me? My work for that day is to go out into the woods and walk around in the presence of God. That was my work. Read some scripture, listen to the word of God, and not in a way to prove anything, but just this is my work to rest in the Lord. Right? This is my work. This is just what God has put in front of me. I just want you to go out there and to be in my presence. And that's all you got to do today. That, that's, that's, that's all the work. Right? There's, there's no pride in that. It's not hard work to walk around in nature. But sometimes it's hard for people who are in so much anxiety and so much oppressive anxiety. But just to say, hey, if you can just get out there and just be in the presence of God, you know, it's just enough. It's enough for the day, right? Because what it says ultimately is seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you, right? Seek his kingdom, his care. Um, just during this time in COVID, I got to tell you, you know, some of my spiritual practices would get disrupted. You know, there are times where I'm like, man, it's the summer, it's so hot. I, I usually go out to the park every day. I spend time in contemplative prayer in the morning, this is what I normally do. Uh, time in contemplative prayer, and then I go out and I just walk around, like like in, in the woods, in the forest, you know, it, uh, around a park, um, and I'll do that for you know thirty minutes to an hour, you know. But nowadays, man, it's getting hotter. It's like ninety degrees, you know. Some of the parks that I used to go to, like Gallup, they get really crowded, you know, especially later in the day. Um, a lot of people are thinking the same thing, and I'm like, oh, man, I, don't, I, don't, I want to go when it's so crowded. And, you know, I, I would make these excuses, and then I wouldn't go. And, you know, brothers and sisters, I feel that familiar buzz of anxiety starting to come back. I, I'm just telling you, this is not magic, but these are practices you can do 
to thrive more in this pandemic. For me, what I've learned is seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And so these practices for me are my way of seeking that kingdom. Again, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the place where God is king. The kingdom is the place where you are under the care of God and you understand that he is the one in control, not you. And so we can have some practices that remind you of that. And so, you know, I I have had to remind myself, yo, you you just got to do it, you know? It's important. It's good, right? This isn't getting me entrance into heaven. This isn't giving me extra credit in, in the kingdom of God. It's just something that I have found to be good wisdom, to go out into nature every day. You know, and so some days, you know, I, I can't go to Gallup Park, my favorite park. Um, sometimes I just go to, uh, I, I just walk around my neighborhood. There's trees in my neighborhood. Anywhere there's trees, you know, that can be nature for you. That can be the kingdom of God for you. Uh, I, I've been going lately to Lily Park, which is right by my house. It's a less than a five-minute drive. And um, I want to show you, this This is a picture I took this week. Um, and... Uh, you can't see it, but right below where it says thriving in the pandemic um, it is like kind of where the path is. And so I try to take a picture of how big these trees are. And so like I said, I'll go around and I'll just kind of like walk around in nature, you know. And one of the things that this does for me is it reminds me, hey, I can just walk around here, not hustle not try to protect myself, not try to control everything that's going on in the world. And I can be cared for just like these trees. Man, look at these trees. Brothers and sisters, can you look at these trees, just how big they are? Just how they are growing and thriving? Man, this tree doesn't have a job. (laughs) This tree doesn't have a girlfriend. This tree doesn't have a 401k. This tree didn't get straight A's in school. And God is caring for it. Just be still. Be still and be reminded of that. Right? That's one of the reasons why I think, you know, sometimes you got to go out in nature. Because you're just around these, these, these walls and, you know, these things that human beings have taken the things of God and we've fashioned them. And we start to think, this is our world. It's the world we created. And there is a bigger world that God has created, and he's still caring for it. Right? Even birds come, and the birds die. The trees come, and the trees die, and they're still cared for. And they're only here for an instant. But even if you die, you are cared for for eternity. What do we need to be worried about? If you can live in that way of being, I think your work gets lighter. All the things that you want to do, all all the disputes that you have in your life, all the problems that you have will not be coated with the water, the environment of anxiety. You won't be swimming in that sea of anxiety, just trying to keep your head above water, just trying to gain your breath. (gasps) But you can be in the place where you know you are cared for. You know that God is here with you. So your heart can be still. You're not restless. You just know 
that God is there. So you can just do your work. And God will take care of the rest. Praise team, can you come up? I know we're not outside. This would be the perfect message for it. But maybe you can just imagine. Yeah, maybe we can just keep up that picture of those trees. You can just look at those trees. If you're by a window, maybe you can just look at the window right now and look at a tree. Maybe you can see the leaves just kind of, you know, just being blown gently in the wind. Maybe you can look out and you can see the grass. Maybe you'll even hear a bird or see a bird flitter by. Maybe you'll see a butterfly. God has cared for all these things. He is perfectly competent and powerful enough to take care of you. Can you just take a moment and soak that in? You don't need to turn it over in your mind. Your mind is the one that is just working so hard to protect you. That's what it's doing. You can just say, thank you, mind, <laughs> for trying to protect me. You, 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 you know, it's like, like an overanxious dog. <laughs> you can just pat it on its head and say, thank you. Thank you for barking at the, the Amazon delivery person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to keep me safe. But it's okay. You can rest, mind. O frail and tattered soul, you have been working so hard to control and to store up and to do all these things to be safe in an uncertain world. But the certainty we have is we have a gardener who is growing us, who is caring for us, just like the trees, just like the lilies, just like the ravens, you are cared for. And you are not more powerful than he. He cares for you in ways that you do not understand. He holds this whole world, this whole universe, And so you do not need to hold it anymore. Do you feel that weight of trying to hold this universe, trying to control everything in your world? Man, it's so heavy. Maybe that's why we're so tired and worn. Can you just rest? Can you just relax? Can you just abdicate the throne of trying to be the king and God of your own destiny and your circumstances and your family? Can you just say, God, be God in my life? Come rule and reign where you rightly should in my heart, my restless heart, in my anxious mind. Can you come and just rest and be reminded he is in control. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.